everyone. My name is Sharzad. Thanks so much for tuning back into my conversation series where I talk to parents, teens, and educators about the harmful effects of social media on teenagers. This is part of an ongoing collaboration with the Organization of Social Media Safety, which is a wonderful resource if you're learning, if you're curious about how you can keep your kids safe online. They have a fabulous free course for parents. I took it. It's very thorough and I can't recommend it enough. Um, today's conversation, I want to give you a warning on. We are going to be talking about suicide. So if that's a tough conversation for you to hear, then this isn't the episode for you. Here is Kristen's story. Hi, Kristen. Nice to meet you. Hi, Thanks so much. Thanks so much for talking to me. Uh, I would love to hear your story. Tell me about Carson. So my story starts in June of 2020 with my 16-year-old son, Carson. He's my youngest son. And he had just finished his sophomore year in high school and he had been um, at home because of COVID like every other student. Um, And he didn't prefer that way of learning. He'd rather be in classrooms and with people. He was a really social person, but he got through it and we encouraged him to get his first summer job since he was 16. And he worked really hard in getting a job making pizzas. And um, he came home. Uh, the night of June 22nd with, after his first night of training. And he was so happy with how it went. And we told him how proud we were of him to be able to get a job during the pandemic. And he wrote his upcoming work schedule on our kitchen calendar. And we went to bed. And in the morning, I woke up around seven uh, to do some computer work in the kitchen. And I walked by Carson's room and I noticed that his door was open and he wasn't in his bed. But I thought nothing of it because sometimes if he had a hard time sleeping, he would sleep up in the loft over our garage. So I went into the kitchen and started working on my computer. And I looked down at my phone and saw that there was a text from Carson to myself, his older brother, and my husband, his dad, um, regarding a suicide note. And it was at this point that my heart absolutely stopped. And I went running to the other side of the house, found the door to the garage ajar, and his lifeless body was hanging from our garage ceiling. And there are absolutely no words to describe the shock and the trauma and the absolute horror that our family endured that day and ever since really it was a like i said a complete shock we could not understand how this happened when everything seemed to be looking up for Carson. And what we found out is a few weeks afterwards, it started to kind of leak through his school community that he had been viciously cyberbullied by his high school Snapchat friends who were using the anonymous apps YOLO and LMK to hide their identities. And these anonymous apps were at the time were connected to Snapchat through their SnapKit and allowed startups to have access to Snapchat's millions of users. We counted over 100 negative, harassing, threatening, and sexually explicit comments to him. 
Um, he always asked his abusers to swipe up and identify themselves so that they could talk things out in person, but no one ever did. And the last search on his phone was for hacks to find out the names of his abusers. And so I had at this point, I, I knew that he had Snapchat, but I had never heard of YOLO. And so I started to do some research and found out that YOLO had policies that stated they would monitor for cyberbullying and reveal the identities of those who did so. And so I reached out to them on four separate occasions, letting them know what happened to my son and asking them to follow their own stated policies. And I was ignored all four times. And it was really at this point that I had a decision to make. Um, do I accept this and live with this or do I begin to fight back? And I chose to fight back. And in May of 2021, along with the Tyler Clementi Foundation, we filed a national class action lawsuit against Snap Inc., YOLO, and LMK. And as a result, um, Snap immediately suspended YOLO and LMK off their platform. And in March of this year, they permanently banned all anonymous apps um, because in their words, the risks are just too great and impossible to mitigate. And so um, that is my basic story. And I've chose advocacy as a way to live my life and bring about positive change as a result of this tragedy. First of all, I'm so sorry. Thank you for sharing. Um, I had no idea about those anonymous apps either. Who do you think is ultimately responsible? The, the bullies? Did you find out who they are? Is that even part of the story? What, what were, what was wrong with them? And what's, what happened on that side? Uh, no one ever came forward um, admitting that they did this. Um, we're still hoping that um, we will have that YOLO will follow their own policies and uh, let us know. But it's really um, the anonymous apps that have um, created online drama because online drama and bullying leads to more eyes on screens. More eyes on screens mean more advertising dollars. And if you look at the history of anonymous apps, every single anonymous app has led to incidents of cyberbullying and suicides. And most concerningly, I mean, Snap did the right thing, but um, there's a new one, not gonna lie, NGL, that is using Instagram to market itself. And um, so it's kind of like, it's going viral and it, and it has all the same flaws as the other anonymous apps. So it's just a matter of time before we see a tragedy happen. Uh, so it, it's, it's heartbreaking and it really, brings about the need for legislation because I don't believe these companies are going to regulate themselves. And we're seeing this in the news. Every single week, there's a new lawsuit filed against big social for the harms that are 
being caused by their to their children and families are suffering. Children are more depressed than ever before and more anxious than ever before and have way more access to information than ever before without the tools to cope with all the information that they're getting. And I just wonder if you have any advice for parents who are navigating teenage worlds with social media access. Yes, uh, I would say first, wait as long as possible to give your child a phone. Um, there's a there's a uh, philosophy, wait until eighth, you know, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. um, this way, your child forms a foundation for understanding what a real friendship is, which isn't a number of likes and number of followers and also real interests that are outside of watching nonstop TikTok videos. And with that foundation, I think they can balance better what they see online. Now, with that said, I want to emphasize that we waited until eighth grade to give Carson a phone. He had our oldest iPhone with no apps on it. And it wasn't until high school that we allowed him to have Snapchat because that's the way kids were connecting. And this still happened to us. There's some other things that I really would like teens and parents to know. Um, I have a lot of people approach me now with harms that are happening to their families. Once something is out there on these platforms, it is extremely difficult for parents and kids to report it and have these companies admit that it violates their community guidelines. So they'll block it from the kids seeing it, but that really doesn't do anything for them because as a teen, you want to know what's being said about you, right? Um, and so these families are reporting hundreds of times to take this harmful content down and they're just being ignored and the kids are really suffering as a result. You know, clearly I would say to teens, stay away from anonymous apps. Um, if and kind of follow the policy, I actually made a, a sign and put it above each of my kids' computers. Don't post anything online that you wouldn't want with your name and face on a billboard next to it, you know, your name and face next to it on a billboard. And in the end, Carson really followed that. He didn't lower himself to his abusers. And people need to realize that there is a person receiving that message that kids are typing into the screen and kindness really matters. Do you think like schools should be a little bit more accountable for this kind of behavior? Cause I, I imagine that it's usually happening among people's peers. Like, do you think schools have any responsibility here to talk about the dangers of social media or yes. what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think all schools should have a digital safety program um, and and educate and train up standards. There were many kids in Carson's class that saw this abuse but didn't report it. And that's another sad statistic. Carson and I were super close and he would tell me things that upset him about school, but he didn't tell me about this. And only the statistically only 12% of kids report online abuse 
because they don't want their phones taken away and they don't want to be viewed as a snitch. Um, So training upstanders, training kids, if you see something online, say something because you could save a life. So, yes, there's a whole education component that I think schools are responsible for. And just to kind of bring up um, how critical um, and dangerous cyberbullying is. This is not an issue of an insult being said in front of some students in a hallway. These, this harassment goes viral very quickly within a school and then other local schools and then even the entire community. And so I've talked to many parents who have lost their kids to cyberbullying, they've already have a plan in place to move their child to another school, and yet their child still takes their life because, unfortunately and very tragically, they feel like they will never get away from it because the messaging has already spread to the next school and and that the only way out is death. And so what we find statistically as kids that are cyberbullied are four times more likely than kids that are bullied in person to have suicidal thoughts. What's that like middle step that you think parents or community could take to prevent that? Like if if somebody says, hey, I'm being cyberbullied, I need help, like they've gone to their parents and it's still happening and they're still so depressed, like what do you think that sort of intervention looks like? Well, I would immediately, especially with those statistics, get your child into counseling and somebody needs to help them see that um, this will pass. But like I said, many parents have reached out to the companies to have it taken down and they won't take it down. So, you know, you're asking your kid like to develop into adult pretty quickly and harden themselves. And they don't have fully developed brains at that point to kind of see past this. Um, We as adults are much stronger to criticism and can handle it. But um, I would definitely get um, someone into therapy, a a child in a therapy if this is happening to them, and also reach out to the school because schools have anti-bullying policies that do extend to cyberbullying. And if they know who is doing this, um, there can be repercussions at the school. So if there happens to be an older teenager listening to this um, or parents who are dealing with this right now with their teens or their younger kids, what would you suggest that they do? Let's say a teenager first. Um, what, what do you think the steps are if they're getting actively bullied? What would you, what would you tell them to do? I would really try to shut it off. Um, I have found that kids that are hurt by what they see online, um, and and a lot of it is constantly seeing what you're not included in, right? Mm -hmm. The fear of missing out. Um, Those that have a strong sense of self have turned it off. Um, My son in particular, um, he he had my older son has a lot of interests in engineering and robotics and doesn't have the capacity for the online drama. He has moved Instagram 
uh, to hidden hidden the icon for it so that it's not something he can easily click on. Mm-hmm. He has to search it and make the conscious decision to look at it. And therefore, he doesn't do it very often. He doesn't have TikTok. Um, I would try to find interests outside of the social media. Um, it's great in connecting. I'm not saying that it's all bad, but um, I think you have to kind of put an end to it if you're just feeling bad. And and I just can't tell you what I hear from parents. I think they would be astounded, you know, and before you give your kid a phone, have a plan for how and when it's going to be used and a way to report to each other if there's something going on. Right now, unfortunately, um, there isn't any monitoring software that will help parents. Social media companies don't want to open that door, right, uh, to parents seeing what's happening. But, you know, is your child ready to be cyberbullied, um, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, pornography, sexploitation, purchasing drugs. I mean, look at your child. If you feel like they're going to be vulnerable to that, just wait. Right. I've heard other people say like not having being the kid without the phone is almost just as bad, though, too. And I find myself thinking, you know, what am I going to do when my kids are old enough to have a phone and how am I going to prevent things? And it's incredibly overwhelming. Had you been yourself personally familiar with the apps? Like, had you posted a lot? Were you sort of Internet savvy or social media savvy before all this? No, I hated social media. Um, I got into Facebook very late and only posted a couple times a year. I could not understand people posting pictures of their food. And it just, to me, was such a waste of time. So I have nothing except for Facebook, which I've now turned into just advocacy um, on this issue. And, you know, pictures of Carson. Um, So you know, using social media to fight social media, but that's all I have. I don't have the bandwidth to, for Instagram or Snapchat, clearly. Yeah. I I mean, I get it totally. And I I understand the irony. I mean, we're sharing this and it's going to be on social media, but I try and personally find the balance between the healthy habits and then spiraling into the dark side. Um, I would love to know, um, what like from talking to the parents, you, you said you're an advocate talking to the parents. What what would you say some of the top concerns are among all the parents that you've talked to and yourself with the apps? It's the frustration of not knowing what's going on um, and what they're being exposed to. And every parent is kind of in that situation. You don't want your kid totally disconnected, but you certainly don't want your kid watching porn. And where's that happy medium? I I think that this is where it comes back to fighting for federal legislation so that there is a duty of care by these companies that are producing these products that we that they know is addictive. We know from the Facebook papers of last year that they know their products are addictive and they're causing harm. And 
I just don't think they're going to make changes unless there's regulations against it. And it shouldn't take kids dying and lawsuits coming in to get their attention. If some if a parent wanted to get involved in any way, shape or form, how would you suggest that they do? Um, we have a cyberbullying and online safety work group through Fair Play. And that is just only growing with more and more parents who have lost their children. But we also have professionals and advocates. So if you feel strongly about that, please join our work group. Um, we meet once a month. Um, I'm also telling parents because it's always changing. You know, an app going viral today could be gone tomorrow. And so if they would sign up for the Organization for Social Media Safety for their newsletters. Fair Play has newsletters and the Center for Humane Technology that did um, The Social Dilemma. They also do. So they're each month producing articles about the new dangers online. So, you know, that's kind of what you have to do as a parent is educate yourself. And it does take time. And I would just say, Proceed with caution um, because even the best and most involved parents and the best kids can fall victim to these tragedies. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And I'm really inspired by the work that you've done uh, on behalf of Carson and so many of the other families that are affected by tragedies that relate to social media. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Again, I urge you to check out the Organization of Social Media Safety and be well.